today on the McKnight's Market Leaders Podcast. Denied, an entrepreneur's journey in using denial data to improve cash flow. Here's your host, McKnight's Home Care Editor, Liza Berger. Claims denial is a real problem among home health operators. In this podcast, we talk to Lori Zindel, who created a product that helps to eliminate this problem and improve revenue cycle operations. I'm so pleased to have Lori as my guest today. Welcome. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here today. Please tell us a little bit about your background. Absolutely. I've been in healthcare all of my adult life. I actually started as a bill collector, um, collecting medical bills. And it was, you know, I'd call the patient and say, hey, you owe $10,000. When can I expect payment in full? And they'd kind of laugh at me because who can pay $10,000 in full, right? But they'd always, you know, they'd say, I have insurance. And that always surprised me because I'd ask them for their insurance information. I would actually have to contact the provider to say, send me a copy of your claim. And when I'd get it, I I knew nothing about all of those fields or anything. I would just fill out an envelope and mail it off to the insurance company and we'd get paid. And that would cost the, the provider, you know, 35% and also the patient, um, complaint because a patient's not happy about being sent to collections. And it just, it, it kind of, I didn't know why that would happen. Why couldn't the provider do that? So um, after a few years, I got offered an opportunity to work for a national consulting company um, that worked with providers to to help that. So that's when I started to learn it's, it, it's not as easy as filling out an envelope and sending that claim off. You know, there's a lot of complication, especially in the home health all of the requirements that the the payers have and all different requirements, um, you know, it's difficult. So that three years that I worked for that consulting company, I was home only one week each. And that was a Christmas between Christmas and New Year's. Otherwise I was on the road. My husband and I were starting a a family at at that point and I couldn't do that travel. So that's when I decided to start a billing company and that billing company. um, I actually, my first customer was, a dialysis customer, which dialysis billing is also very complicated with rules. And I didn't know how to bill, um, but I'd have to call the insurance company and say, tell me what's wrong. And they started to tell me all of the, the, the complicated fields, if this, do this, if that. And I was actually, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was kind of building a, a claim scrubbing manual process. And it became a game to, to make, sh- to try to get that claim out and paid on first submission. You know, I really wanted to do that. And, so I owned that company um, for 30 years. I started when I was uh, 28. I'm dating myself now. Um, but once technology technology started to show up and claim scrubbers started to, to come into the industry, um, I started to use them. And then at some point I realized they weren't doing a good enough job. They didn't have that information. So we started the about 13 years ago building a technology company, a separate one that that helped with these complicated things. And within the past year, Novalon acquired that, that tech company. And so now I'm here. Tell us about the problem you were having that drove you to innovate. I thought when I was buying technology, it's supposed to solve a problem. And so if you're buying a claim scrubbing piece of technology, it should know the payer rules and it should help me get my claims to pay without denying. And quite frankly, the way it was set up it was, it was not like that. Like the clearinghouse industry would actually charge you per claim. So they made more money if I had to build that claim four times. 
And you think about that, that's that's hurting my cash flow, that's that's aging out, it's affecting the patient because the patient's not getting their portion until then. I mean, it really is the, the whole thing that we're shooting for is trying to get that claim paid on, on first submission. And so I would have a full-time person that was actually monitoring all of the edits I needed because I would be seeing claims deny for all 40 of my customers. Yet I'd, I'd ask the clearinghouse to say, add this as an edit. And they say, well, show me the rule, the payer's documentation. I said, well, there isn't any. They don't tell us these things. This is how we find out about them when they don't pay. And then they'd want to charge me for a custom edit. And so now it started to get expensive and all of that. By the time I was with my last clearinghouse, I think I knew to negotiate about 20 hours of free programming because I knew I needed to build these these edits. And and so, you know, this is truly where we started to think about this concept of first pass yield. You know, what percent of claims are getting paid on that first submission because that became so important to, to help with cash flow and reduce rework. Let's talk a little bit more about what you mean by first pass yield. Can you go into some detail about that? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think it's a, it is actually a, a new concept for most people in the Traditionally, clearinghouses talk about first pass acceptance rates. You'll see them all over, you know, in the advertising, 99%, you know, first pass acceptance and all that. Well, that only means the claim got into the payer's system. And that's actually a fairly easy thing to do. As long as your EDI is correct or you have correct eligibility, you're going to get that. So that's not anything super special. Um, then they also talk about clean claim rate. So a clean claim is a claim that comes into the claim scrubber and it doesn't have any errors and it goes out to the payer. And again, if you're advertising that you get 99% clean claim, that is meaningless to me because what we think is a clean claim doesn't really matter. It's what the payer says is clean because that's that's what they're going to pay. And so really that's what first pass yield is. It's the clean claim rate of the insurance company's definition and they paid our claim. So it's really way more important than what we think with with a clean claim going through our system. With your software, uh, you're able to see revenue cycle data in real time? Yes. How does this help uh, the process? Oh my gosh, I, I have to tell you that uh, if you think about it as a billing company, I was contracted to keep my customers' cash flow going all the time to keep their aging down, uh, making sure that we didn't write off things unnecessarily. You have to see these things. There were many times where I would close my month and I would have a terrible cash month and then I have to go backwards and try to explain why. Because I'm always having to say, oh, this is why we didn't do it. So now knowing, you know, every day, what's going on and it's mid-month so like today's february 9th if i'm looking at my dashboards that we we created i know where i am compared to where i normally am on the 9th and if it's not looking good i can do something about it you know you really traditionally and i think this is probably true about you know most providers they estimate what they're going to collect based on what they collected in the last few months it's like oh yeah, here's what we collected. Here's what our revenue was. So I'm going to set this goal for cash. But then we don't reconcile it till the end of the month. And then that's too late. You know, if you want a real life scenario, we actually had a customer who 
uh, was having a problem with their automation and their files kept coming in to the clearinghouse and like three or four times a day and they would um, duplicate out. And there was all of a sudden we saw a spike in our duplicate claim denials. We recognized it. So we set up a rule to say, if the file name is the same, don't load it into the claim system and send an email off to this person. Well, this happened in June that year, I just remember. Cause so then the next year when June came around, they didn't have the year in their file name. So June 1st came in and it duplicated against last year's file. And it sent an email to somebody who didn't work there anymore. So nobody knew <laughs> knew that their their claims weren't coming into the system. And so, but we knew that within three days, we could see everything was going dark. Now, normally, if you think about how Medicare pays, and that's one of the biggest payers, you know, for us in this industry, you might not have figured that out until you didn't get a Medicare check 14 days later. And then you'd be scrambling. But instantly we knew, oh. We've, we've got a situation here. And, and that's why real time is, has saved our lives many a times because there's no surprises at the end of the month that you have to go back and explain because you're kind of, and if there is going to be a bad cash month, you have time to talk about it with your senior executive team and warn them, oh, we have a contract issue or we have a payer issue. It'll be resolved next month and things like that. Picking up on your comment about Medicare, Medicare Advantage and commercial payer provider relationships can be challenging. How can this type of data help? Oh my gosh. Um, Medicare, although it's really complicated, it's, you know, their rules sometimes don't make sense to us, but they tell us their rules up front. That's the one good thing about Medicare is that it's black and white. Um, even though it doesn't make sense to you, it's still, this is how they want it. This is how it is. So it's really a fairly easy payer to manage. Plus they pay in 14 days. <laughs> it's just like clockwork. Now you introduce the Medicare Advantage plans, whole new set of rules, constantly changing the rules, reimbursement issues, uh, to payer turnaround time. It's just, it's not Medicare. It complicates it. And so you have to have a tool that kind of, and this is what, you know, the denials with, um, you know, anytime there's a breakdown, let's say you are having denials because of NOE issues or authorization issues, you have to be able to quantify that, um, you know, and you have to be able to be able to have conversations with your provider rep at these Advantage plans to say, hey, you know, you're only paying, you know, 16% of our charges, Medicare is paying 33%, you know, I'm making up my numbers, but being able to have that data and that comparison um, when you're talking to those people really changes the game and helps you out. Why did you choose Inovalon as a clearinghouse partner? Oh, I like to think they chose me, <laughs> um, but we were actually channel partners. Uh, so we use them our connection to the Medicare system. So that's one thing also that, that people don't always watch when they're trying to manage cash flow is what's going on in the Medicare system. You know, how many claims are, are returning to provider going to that RTP file? You know, what are my issues there? So we were using them to gather that data and be able to report on that to make sure we had business rules in place to have our Medicare claims going clean and getting paid quickly. So they knew we had this cool analytic tool. They were looking to build that, and so they took a look at our analytics, what well, would be easier to buy than to build, and um, they chose our analytics because they are, are really cool. And then 
I chose them after this due diligence because they had, you know, when customers used to come to us, uh, we did claims and denials and we did them really well, you know, and, but they'd always ask, do you do eligibility? Do you do patient statements? Do all of that? And we'd have to say no. And so I love that they have all of those products and now the analytics to go with it. And we have solutions end to end. You know, so if you're seeing in our analytic tool that you have an eligibility problem, we've got the solution to that. And being able to provide that from one source, I think, is is fabulous. And they're a great company as well. So, How problematic would you say is claims denial for home health providers? Where would you say it ranks on the list of revenue cycle headaches? Oh, uh, number one, I would think. It's kind of funny. When I was a consultant... Um, and even still, providers will ask me to come in and assess their revenue cycle or their business office functions because their days outstanding are too high or they have too many write-offs or their, their AR is kind of out of control. And as I start to talk with them, I say, okay, well, so tell me what your top denial is. And they're like, oh, we don't have a denial problem. And I want to say, you're in denial <laughs> about that. <laughs> the only time... You have aging and write-off problems in your accounts receivable is because the insurance is denying them. You just don't have it quantified and you don't have that picture of it. In, you know, so, so again, denial is a key. Um, it's, it's really the only reason why we have outstanding AR. Could you provide some common mistakes that home health providers make leading to claims denial? Well, actually... Industry-wide, they say about 90% of the denials are something technical on the claim. Invalid taxonomy is a big one. Um, You know, authorization issues might be a big one, but that's actually preventable by an edit. So most of them, if there's something wrong on the claim that the payer is requiring, you should stop it first and look at it. Because when you have that first-pass denial, so back to first-pass yield, When you have that first pass denial, when you go to rebuild that, you have less than a 40% chance that that claim is going to pay. You have a 60% chance it's going to deny again, duplicate or for some other reason. And that's where, you know, you're spending a lot of your staff time. um, It's aging and things like that. So authorization is probably a, a high one. But let's think about that. In the home health, that's a continuing service, right? And you're billing it once a month. So if you forgot to get authorization in January, instead of letting that January bill go out on February 5th, you're going to find out you didn't have authorization when it denies at the end of February. You just lost February services too, right? Whereas if you built an edit in your claim scrubber that said if a claim drops and it doesn't have that authorization field filled out, stop it on January 5th. Because then you could either try to get retro authorization for January, but at least you're going to get it for February if you did miss it along the line. And so those are the kinds of things that you have to think about denials in a different way as to how do you prevent them with an edit first to get it correct. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Would you provide three or four best practices to head off claims denial? I guess it would sound ridiculous to say have a tool. (laughs) Because then it sounds like a sales pitch, but really you can't you can't live without some kind of analytic tool right now. If you're not tracking your denials, even if it is manual, which is hard, you have to have the data to know what's wrong first. Um, we tried 
so data is important, training your team to speak up with routine ones. But we've been doing that all of my, you know, again, I've owned this billing company. We train our team all the time. Let's stop denials. Let's stop denials. Think of prevention. But they get busy and they're just working all the time. I'll give you a scenario. We had a one of our largest customers change their biggest payer's name in our system. And they did, and it was hitting an edit every day. And my biller changed a hundred claims a day um, manually because it was hitting an edit saying this should go electronically. Never raised her hand, never said anything. But because we had these analytics, we could see that spike in her production. We could see the clean claim rate. It literally took 10 seconds to map that, to get that edit to go away. But she never raised her hand. And again, she's a great employee and all that, but they're just doing their job every day. And so having something, and especially if, you know, you have more than one biller, you got a biller who sees 10 a month, another one who sees 10 a month, they each see 10 a month, but you have 10 billers, that's a lot of denials. And so being able to see those trends um, to prevent denials, and then also getting the the whole organization involved in it. Um, so I have to come up with two. You said I have to have three, but the second one, this one is important because, you know, the the business office is often pointing fingers at it's not our fault. You know, registration didn't get the right insurance when they were intake form. We didn't get the authorization. It's not our fault. And it's always kind of anecdotal. You know, we're always pointing fingers, but we have no data to support it. So having a tool that really tells you, you know, because ours can actually tell you who the registrar was, you know, that filled out that information and, and providing that feedback back in a continuous loop and having all departments having denials on their, their scorecards or whatever, because revenue is not revenue unless you collect it. You know, so you can't always just have the business office being the ones responsible for collecting because if they don't have the right information um, on a claim form, 57% of the fields are patient access or that front end responsibility. If that's the form that we're ensuring we need to get paid on, that team has to know the rules. They have to be able to uh, be involved in that, that uh, denial process as well. So any final thoughts? I would say don't settle for mediocrity. That's actually one of our, our core values. I have to tell you that when I was a consultant, we did a, now this was on hospitals, but I think I see it across all of the providers we work with. I was, they did a, a, a the horror report, which they collected data from all across the country and then we provided it back on KPIs, what aging, GDRO, all that. And at that time, so this was over 30 years ago, anybody who had their days outstanding under 60 were considered superior. I still talk to providers who say as long as their days are in the 50s, they're feeling comfortable. Okay, that's only a 10-day improvement in the past 30 years. Look at what's changed in the past 30 years. We are billing claims electronically. We're getting our remittances electronically. We have electronic health records. Things have changed so much that we've only set our expectations to improve that much. We have providers who keep their days outstanding in the low 30s. You know, so set your expectation. We can beat the payers at this denial game. Um, when you have the right tools to be able to look at all of your, um, your data holistically, you can win it. So don't accept that denials are a part of life. They will always be a part of our life, but you can really manage them and get rid of some of the, the easy ones. 
Well, this was a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lori. Oh, absolutely. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. 